This is Michelle and Ron and this is the Grim Feature. We are back today to discuss uh, another case. So my last case was the Hammersmith Ghost and one of the things I had mentioned at the end of that podcast was that the Hammersmith Ghost kind of faded out of the stories due to reports of Spring-Heeled Jack and I thought that would be the next person I'd cover and here we are. So are you ready to learn about another terror from Victorian London, Ron? Yes, yes, I am. In 1826 is where our story begins. Um, there was a sighting of a masked man with reported springs in his boots who was spotted leaping over a 10-foot wall. This began the reports of spring Jack that would carry on for about 67 years or so. 67 years? He was old by the time that he... Dang. You know, but we'll talk about that. Okay. So, so Springhill Jack, as he would be dubbed, was first described as a ghost, imp, or devil. And he was said to be in the shape of, quote, a large white bull. Um, some also reported that they saw him wearing red shoes or um, possibly even armor. So very varied reports on what this guy looked like. But uh, apparently the story was he would be spotted just leaping about London in his spring boots that would allow him to do things like, you know, clear that 10-foot wall that we mentioned before. In 1837, he moved from being just this figure who was leaping around, I guess, just living his best. Like, he kind of reminds me of Tigger, I guess, up until that point, you know? <laughs> He's just bouncing around doing his thing. Fun little character. Yeah, you know, hanging out with Winnie the Pooh. All that fun stuff. Um, but in 1837, he took a darker turn, and that's when he began to uh, attack people. And so working-class women were his main target. So they reported that he would either accost them in the street, uh, or he would ring their doorbells so that they would come out, alert, and that he would be luring them into the street where he would attack them then. Uh, they reported that he had claw-like hands, and he would tear at their clothes and attack them. What do you think happens when working class women start reporting somebody's attacking them in the streets? They're what? immediately discredited. Yeah, good. Yes. <laughs> uh, so nobody cared at that point. Um, so the initial reports were confusing. Uh, the theory emerged. This was just a group of aristocrats. They were scaring people for fun. You know, you've got to let the rich people have their sports, you I boys suppose. Boys will be boys, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. So these reports were largely ignored at first. In January of 1838, Lord Mayor John Cohen read a letter outside of his mansion that I actually have a newspaper clipping. You know, I got, uh, I told you I was very excited. I got a free trial for newspapers.com and it's been very exciting. So <laughs> I've been nerding out, checking that out. But uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna read the article here in a minute. But in it, they said he kind of mockingly asked the woman who wrote it uh, to just prescribe him a description of this demon so that he could actually, you know, try to catch it. But the article is here below, and I'm just going to read it here. So this came from the standard, I believe. Hold, please, let me double check my source, like the consummate professional that I am. Yes, the standard. And this occurred on... The 9th of January is when this report came out. And what and year is this? 1838. Okay. 
Okay. So, ready for an old-timey newspaper article, Ron? Old-timey, I'm ready. Okay. So, it says, the location, Mansion House. Yesterday, the Lord Mayor said that he had received a letter upon a subject, the odd nature of which had induced him to withhold it for the pu- from the public for some days, in the expectation that some statement might be made through a source of indisputable authority relative to the matter of which it treated. The following is in the letter. So this, to the right honorable Lord Mayor, my Lord, the, this writer presumes that your Lordship will kindly overlook the liberty he has taken in addressing a few lines on a subject which, within the last few weeks, has caused much alarming sensation in the neighboring villages within three or four miles of London. It appears that some individuals of, as the writer believes, the higher ranks of life, have laid a wager with the mischievous and foolhardy companion, name as of yet unknown, that he durst not take upon himself the task of visiting of the villages near London in three different disguises, a ghost, a bear, and a devil. And moreover, that he will not dare to enter gentlemen's gardens for the purpose of alarming the inmates of the house. The wager has, however, been accepted, and the unmanly villain has succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses. Okay, so let's translate. (laughs) So, this person thinks there is a bet going on. They can't go to see, like, gentlemen. They have to stay outside of London. Um, But he has caused seven ladies to lose their senses, which I assume means to faint. Okay. So, at one house, he rung the bell, and on the servant coming to open the door... This worse-than-brute stood in no less dreadful a figure than a specter clad most perfectly. The consequence was that the poor girl immediately swooned and has never from that moment been in her senses, but upon seeing any man, screams out most violently, Take him away. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Take him away! (laughs) Like, can you imagine? Um, Any man. Any man they see. Any man. So that that really traumatized. That's some PTSD now. Mm -hmm. Okay, which to be fair is a very serious thing. So I don't know. It just sounds like she she showed up, he looked scary, and she passed out. And now she's afraid of everybody. With her feeble womanly senses. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. There are two ladies, which your lordship will regret to hear, who have husbands and children and who are not expected to recover, but likely to become burdens to their families. The horror. <laughs> burdens to their families. You know. Dude, this, this 1832 newspaper. 38. 38. This is oh. some top-notch reporting here. <laughs> Can you You know, and really, what good is a woman if she's a burden to the family, right? It's <laughs> all downhill from there. Okay, okay. But this letter isn't over yet, so. For fear that your lordship might imagine that the writer exaggerates, he will refrain from mentioning other cases, if anything more melancholy than those he has already stated. This affair has now been going on for some time, and strange to say, the papers are still silent on the subject. The writer is very unwilling to be unjust toward any man, but he has reason to believe that they have the whole history at their fingers' ends, but through interested motives are induced to remain silent. It is, however, high time that such a detestable nuisance should be put a stop to, and the writer feels assured that your lordship, as the chief magistrate of London, will take great pleasure in exerting your power to bring the villain to justice. Hoping your lordship will pardon the liberty I have taken in writing, I remain your lordship's most humble servant, and it is signed, a resident of Peckham. 
So just some random dude wrote so, this. So this is the person who wrote the Lord Mayor. So the Lord Mayor, the, this article is commenting on basically the press conference that he called to address this. So now let's hear what the Lord Mayor says. So, the Lord Mayor, on a reading the account, observed that as our friends on the other side of the Atlantic were in the habit of saying, it was, quote, extraordinary if true, unquote. Now, I assume when they say our friends on the other side of the Atlantic is referring to those crazy Americans, but, you know, that's, I, I guess that's just a statement. I just thought it's an interesting saying. In his opinion, it was not calculated for the meridian of London, but if any trick had been practiced by fools, he had no doubt that the vigilance of the police might be depend upon, depended upon to prevent annoyance. It appeared to him that the letter, which was written in a very beautiful hand, was the production of a lady. Again, the scandal. Hmm. Um, <laughs> who might have been terrified by some bugaboo into this... <laughs> bugaboo? Sorry. Um, who might have been terrified by some bugaboo into this mode of obtaining retribution at the hands of the Lord Mayor. But as the terrible vision had not entered the city, he could not take cognizance of its iniquities. A gentleman stated to his lordship that the servant girls about Kensington and Hammersmith and Ealing told dreadful stories of the ghost or devil, who on one occasion was said to have beaten a blacksmith and torn his flesh with two iron claws. Oh, I'm sorry, with just iron claws, no number. Um, and in others to tear the clothes from the backs of females. Not one of the injured people had been known to tell the story. Perhaps they didn't like to tell it. The Lord Mayor believed that one of the ladies who had lost their seven senses was his correspondent. He hoped she would do him the favor of a call, and he would have opportunity of getting from her such a description of the demon as would enable him to catch him in spite of the paid press and police. That was the end of the article. Hmm. So, <laughs> thoughts, Ron? Well, it sounded a smidgen biased. <laughs> well, you know those feeble females losing their senses, becoming a burden to their families, <laughs> the horror. <laughs> so, largely the press have been silent about Springhill Jack up until this... Um, very serious. A letter to the editor? What is this? It was this? a letter to the mayor of London. Oh, the Lord just, Mayor of London. And they just published it. And Lord Mayor ca called this press conference, read the letter, said it didn't happen within London. He was sure it was fine, but it because it, the penmanship was nice, it was in such a beautiful hand, it must have been one of these ladies. And they needed to come and tell him what they looked like so he could catch it. Gotcha. Now... Perhaps I read this with a bit of bias, but this sounds like maybe we aren't taking this very seriously. <laughs> Just a thought. Uh, so the press, though, because the Lord Mayor had, had brought this up, began to pick up the story of Spring Jack, as he was originally known. Later, the West Kent Guardian would label him Springheel Jack, and that's what the name that finally stuck. Is it heel as an H-E-E-L or H-I-L-L? It's H-E-E-L. Okay, so... So, literally, heel. when you Foot. look at... If you Google spring Heel Jack, they're going to show you pictures of a man dressed up like a devil with, like, boots that have springs on the heels. Because, you know... Super, super jumping realistic. Yes. So high. Got it. Yeah. So, that's what you need. Um, you know, I don't know if you ever played Portal. Never. Um, but you have, like, these, like, springy boots that you wear so that you can do these 
mad jumps and stuff to solve these puzzles. Anyway, I guess they didn't have those yet. I don't hmm. know that they have those still, to be honest. Um, it, to my knowledge, I mean, what, what are the, I guess the closest we have are those, what was it, moon shoes or whatever that you could bounce in. Right. But something tells me you weren't clearing a 10-foot wall yeah. with those either, but I digress. So, basically, nobody took this very seriously um, until, what do you think, what do you think was the thing? What, what happened that made people pay attention? A male was attacked. So you're close. So it wasn't actually a male. It was a woman that was attacked that got people to take, a qu- take this seriously. So if you were a woman that got attacked, but people care about it in you 1838. well off. Yes, you're right. So Jane Alsop, or maybe it's Alsop. Alsop? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Jane Alsop, a gentleman's daughter, on February 20th of ni- 1838, not 1938, that's way longer ago, um, in 1838, heard a ringing at their gate. She went out to answer it, and a man claiming to be a police officer asked to bring a light because they had caught Springheeled Jack in the lane. When she returned the, with the light, apparently he held it to his face, revealing himself to be the demon himself. Ooh. Uh, apparently he spit a blue-white fire into her face and started to drag her down the stairs, tearing at her clothes, arms, neck, and hair with metallic claws. So I have a couple of newspaper articles from this one, too, because, again, I just subscribed to newspapers.com, and the people need to hear. <laughs> and we're, we're not, uh, what's the word looking for, sponsored by them? We're not sponsored but by them. But we're going to bring them up a lot, because we're going to use these guys a lot. If they want to sponsor us, we'd totally be fine with that. Um, I mean, with our 20 v- viewers. I mean, 20, 20 people, listeners, we've got yeah. quite a reach. We're in double digits and internationally known, but okay. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> So, here's the headline. This one came from the Morning Post. Uh, and this one was... So, I have two articles. So, the first one is from the Morning Post. Um, this one was published on the 23rd of February in 1838. The next one is going to be from Sheffield and Rotherham Independent from the 3rd of March of that same year. So, let me start with the first one. Um, <clears throat> so, Outrage on a Young Lady by the Suburban Ghost. Hmm. So... This one reads that yesterday, Mr. Alsop, a gentleman of considerable property, <laughs> residing at Bearbine Cottage in Bearbine Lane, a very lonely spot between the villages of Bow and Old Ford, accompanied by his three daughters, waited upon Mr. Hardwick at Lambeth Street Police Office and gave the following particulars of an outrage committed on one of the latter. Miss Jane Alsop, a young lady, 18 years of age, stated that about a quarter to nine o'clock the preceding night, she heard a violent ringing in the gate of the front of the house, and on going to the door to see what was the matter, she saw a man standing outside, of whom she inquired what was the matter, and requested he would not ring so loud. (laughs) The person instantly replied that he was a policeman, and said, For God's sake, bring me a light, for we have caught Springheel Jack here in the lane. She returned into the house and brought a candle and handed it to the person who appeared enveloped in a large cloak and whom she really at first believed to be a policeman. The instant she had done so, however, he threw off his outer garment and, applying the lighted candle to his breast, presented a most hideous and frightful appearance and vomited forth a quantity of blue and white flame from his mouth and his eyes resembled red balls of fire. From This feels very theatrical, by the <laughs> it way. It does. From the hasty glance which her fright enabled her to get of his person, she observed that he wore a large helmet, and his dress appeared to fit him very tight, uh, appeared to her to resemble white oil skin, 
Without uttering a sentence, he darted at and catching her, partly by her dress and the back part of her neck, placed her head under one of his arms and commenced with tearing her gown with his claws. With, <laughs> I'm sorry, did he put her in a headlock? Is that how you understand that? One more time. Read it again. So it says he partly by her dress and the back of her neck placed her head under one of his arms and commenced to tearing her gown with his claws. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Wow, what a gentleman. I guess you're not a gentleman if you're doing stuff like this, but... Um, which she were certain was... Okay, so tearing her claws with his claws, which we, she was certain were of some metallic substance. She screamed down as loud as she could for assistance and by a considerable exertion got away from him and ran towards the house to get in. Her assailant, however, followed her and caught her on the steps leading to the hall, hall door when he again used considerable violence to her neck and arms with his claws, as well as tearing a quantity of hair from her head. Ouch. But she was at length rescued from his grasp by one of her sisters. Miss Alsop added that she had suffered considerably all night from the shock she had sustained, I would imagine so, and was then in extreme pain, both from the injury done to her arm and the wounds and scratches inflicted by the miscreant about her shoulders and necks, uh, necks, no, by her shoulders and neck, only one, by his claws or hands. Miss Mary Alsop, a younger sister, said that on hearing the screams of her sister Jane, she went to the door and saw a figure, as above described, elusing her sister. She was so alarmed at his appearance that she was afraid to approach or render any assistance. Mrs. Harrison said that, hearing the screams of both her sisters, first of Jane and then of Mary, she ran to the door and found the person before described in the act of dragging her sister Jane down the stone steps from the door with considerable violence. She, Mrs. Harrison, got a hold of her sister and by some means or other, which she could scarcely describe, succeeded in getting her inside the door and closing it. At this time, her sister's dress was near, nearly torn off her. Both her combs were dragged out of her head, as well as a quantity of her hair torn away. The fellow, notwithstanding the outrage he had committed, knocked loudly two or three times at the door, and it was only on their calling loudly for the police from the upper windows that he left the place. Mr. Alsop, who appeared very feeble, said that he and Mrs. Alsop had been laid up for several weeks past with a rheumatic affection, so as to scarcely be able to get out of bed, but such was the alarm on the night before that they both got out of bed. And he managed to get downstairs and found his daughter Susan with her clothes. Okay, Susan? Maybe this is this Mrs. Harrison? Isn't that? Okay, I missed this the first time I read this. So he found his daughter Susan with her clothes torn and having all the appearance of receiving the most serious personal violence. Mr. Alsop also said that it was perfectly clear there was more than one ruffian connected with the outrage, as the fellow who committed the violence did not return for his cloth cloak. Gosh, did not return for his cloak, but scampered across the fields, so that there must have been some person with him to pick it up. In conclusion, Mr. Alsop said he would most willingly give a reward of ten guineas for the apprehension of a miscreant. Mr. Hardwick, I don't know who that is. That's one thing about these. I guess they assume that you know who these people are <laughs> right. in old-timey London. Mr. Hardwick expressed his surprise. Sorry. Mr. Hardwick expressed his surprise and abhorrence of the outrage and said that no pain should be spared to bring this miscreant perpetrator to justice. Okay, so actually, let's see. I'm just going to see if I can pull pieces out 
Um, because most of the, the other article that I have here kind of share the same things with it, but I'm going to say it was written a few days later. So there are a couple of things additional to it. Um, so again, he said that Mr. Hardwick had expressed his surprise. Um, Lee, the officer, communicated in the next day the result of some inquiries into this outrage, but they included nothing material. Mr. Norton expressed his surprise that the miscreant, whoever it might be, should so long pursue his abominable practices with impunity. Lee added in corroboration with Miss Alsop's statement that the candle and candlestick which he had handed the man were found outside the gate. Mr. Norton did not think it likely that the ghost would exhibit this in the same neighborhood for some time to come. Okay, so those were two articles written on this. So, that's a lot. It's very theatrical. Um, obviously very horrifying, you know, if that's, if somebody dragged me out. Like, first, well, I thought it was interesting that they said she went out to the gate, which, again, I guess people weren't as worried about stranger danger back in the day. But, I, you know, if I was 18 and I, somebody was, you know, ringing the doorbell outside, like, at the gate or something, like, I would not have been the one to go out and see what was going on. Right. Like, I would have yelled out the window or I would have, you know, but... I'm not going out there, like, but anyway. But then they'll say that, like, he attacked her. And I was going to say, this Spring Hill Jack guy, with all the attacks were going on anyway. Right. Well, but nobody was talking about it yet. She's the one that kind of uh, made people care about it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but to say that, like, he rang at the gate, so she went out to the gate, gave him the candle, and he spit blue and white flames at her, which... You know, makes me think, there's a lot of question about was this some paranormal figure or was this some, like, technologically advanced person? Thoughts? Fire breathers. Mm-hmm. They have the fluid, whatever, the, the, mm-hmm. the Everclear or whatever, and they spit in there and it cause flame. Right. So she's coming with a candle, he could spit it. He needs the candle to do that. Yes. Which is makes sense. She said he, um, he raised it up to his breast. So it makes sense he would be raising it up at about that level, the, holding that candlestick, so that he could blow it out from the fire. We mm. solved it. Yep. He's a fire breather. Okay. Um, they swallowed swords, too, on the side. And you look for a street performer who wears a cloak and a top hat. Yes. I got it figured out. And who can jump very, very high. No, but it is interesting. They said, like, so he spits this fire at her, which I'm already out at that point. So she starts to run away from him. He chases her, like, catches her at the door to her home and starts dragging her down the steps. All we're wearing what sound like these gloves with, like, metal claws on them that he's scratching at her at the whole time. Um, Apparently, he put her in a headlock at one point, you know. It just sounds, uh, sounds like a lot. I would not be happy. Anyway. So this was the the one that kicked off the outrage, right? Because yeah. this gentleman's daughter had been attacked. And now suddenly we're taking this seriously. Um, apparently days later, another lady was out walking with her sister. Um, this one was named Lucy Scales. I did not find any newspaper articles on this one, but um, she was walking once she spotted a shadowy figure that jumped out and blew uh, the blue-white flames into her face. Uh, her sister reported she had some kind of seizure, although I saw other articles that said she fell into a fit of hysterics, which, again, fair. Somebody <laughs> blows. Fair. I'd like to see a man be okay with having fire spit in his face, but okay. Um, I'm getting a little loud now. Uh, so he ran away after this happened. I guess the sister started screaming. Um, 
So both women, though, described him as a man. And Jane also had told the police that um, he was wearing a kind of helmet and a tight-fitting white costume like an oil skin, um, which this all led to that common image of the gentlemanly devil figure. And again, when I say when you Google the, the illustrations of Springhill Jack, he's literally like a very theatrical-looking man with springy boots and like a devil's hat on or a devil's mask on, I guess I should say, with a cloak. Um, and he's always in very acrobatic positions in his illustrations. He's always like zipping away, like in, <laughs> wow. a, in a flourish. Are you seeing some of these? <laughs> this is like he was made in the 1970s. This is like some kind of well, freaking. Yeah, that was one of them. Um... <laughs> so some of those do come from Penny Dreadfuls, which were like a, which were a, a type of book that was really popular with the working class because they were only a penny, hence the name Penny Dreadfuls. Some of those illustrations, I think, come from the Penny Dreadfuls because Jack did become a very popular figure in those, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Here's um, one where you stole somebody who's flying away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you get a minute, guys, you should definitely Google spring Jack. You'll see some real... You won't be disappointed. Real interesting old-timey illustrations. This guy looks like Jack Black. Like, that's the character he'd play. <laughs> Jack Black. <laughs> that <is all> <laughs> Look I hadn't it. thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm putting this one on the Facebook wait, page. Wait. <laughs> Same oh. this one. Wait. Did we just hit upon a great movie idea? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Can can do we have people? Can uh, those people get in touch with Jack Black? We, we need a mix of Nacho Libre and oh my gosh. And Little Murder and Terror. Oh my gosh. Oh. Oh boy. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Derailed that one. <laughs> this is a glorious photo, though. It was okay. great. Yeah, you should post that. So eventually, they would arrest a man named Thomas Milbank, um, who would be tried for the attack on Jane Alsop. But you, know, due to her insistence, this man could breathe fire, um, which was a skill that Thomas Milbank uh, seemed to be lacking in. He was never convicted. Um, later, the Morning Herald reported a young servant boy. Um, answered the door when it was rang to find a man of hideous appearance with claw-like hands and clothes that had a family and crest engraved upon them. I'm sorry, embroidered upon them. You don't really engrave on clothes very much. Um, embroidered upon them with the letter W. Ooh, W. Dun, dun, dun. So this may lead to a theory okay. about who this might be. He's going to have his initials on his coat. <laughs> Because okay. he has his initials. So uh, people begin to suspect the Marquis of Waterford, Henry de la Porte Beresford? Beresford. Um, they thought he might be responsible for these tasks. So this Marquis, uh, he was apparently named Marquis after his father and his brother both passed. Um, and he had quite a reputation already in the press. He was called the Mad Marquis. Uh, even from back his days studying at Eton, he uh, built up this reputation for drinking and causing mischief. So he's an educated man. He's an educated man. He's the Marquis. He's got a title. So he's a titled gentleman. Okay. I don't know what a Marquis was. So that yeah. makes sense. So, yes. So he had been dubbed the Mad Marquis. And here's some things that got him that, that title in the press. So he was known to smash windows, um, offer money to people to fight, I guess like boxing matches. They said he also had at one point thrown meat out of the window of a butcher shop. Seems intense, but okay. Um, he also was known to accost people while drunk and naked and okay. had several arrests for drunk and disorderly conduct. This sounds like a Wednesday night at my fraternity when in college. 
I mean, other than throwing meat out the butcher shop window, like, we did all of that. You accosted people while naked? <laughs> well, some of, our, some of our guys were naked a lot, yes. I hope you weren't one of them. No, no, I wasn't. I always wore tell. Oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway. You're a mess. So, he already had quite the reputation for all of this. So, but, it, you know, on a side note, he just kind of sounds to me like someone who was basically a frat boy. He wanted to go out and have fun. Um, didn't necessarily sound malicious, but anyway. So, uh, they all did say that in April of 1837, uh, there was outrage in the pride press because the Marquis and his friends were said to have started a riot. I couldn't really find the specifics of what that riot entailed, but he basically, they said he drummed up a whole riot. Um, it wouldn't be hard. You know, but be so this was after this leaping figure was first spotted, but before he was called Springheel Jack. So who knows? So, you know, people began to suspect this might be him. Now, was it him, or was he just so well-known in the press that he became, a, you know, a convenient scapegoat for all of this? Um, I I don't know. I, I don't think that this was all just one person, to be honest, because this went on, what, for 67 years, we said? <laughs> right. But anyway, so again, this... So people are beginning to suspect others of, of doing this, um, you know, or uh, I guess... Uh, the higher up people in society are now falling victim to this person and he's getting taken more and more seriously. Um, apparently even at one point the nearly 70 year old Duke of Wellington rode out on armed horseback to hunt the monster that was attacking London women. So over time again, like I said, they began to think this probably wasn't just one time, one person. That the theories were this was either started as one person that we were now dealing with copycats, or Springheel Jack was um, actually the invention of a band of men working together. Uh, it, you, again, that popular phrase was a band of aristocrats who were, you know, taking on a bet, kind of by that, like that first uh, that letter to the Lord Mayor. Gotcha. Um, in 1845, it was reported that things turned deadly. So supposedly a Maria Davis was attacked in broad daylight. So reports said that Jack leaped out, spit blue-white fire into her face to disorient her, and then threw her over a bridge, and she landed into an open sewer where she sadly drowned. Now, this story, take it with a grain of salt, um, it's widely reported but unable to be verified today so there's no like death certificates that back this up nobody really sees any you know any newspaper articles about this um so again it, that could mean this never happened this could just mean that it did happen it just never you know those records didn't survive to today so who knows um, but it is important to note that this is when spring Jack started to be depicted more as a character in fiction, which may be to blame for where the story came from. So was it something that actually happened, or were people getting it mistaken with some of the fiction accounts that were starting to, to, to develop? Well, they're saying here, because I'm Captain Google over here, mm -hmm. that spring Jack character, the spring Jack character, continued after the Mad Marquis's death. Yes. So... Yeah, so probably not him. But this guy looks like he had a heck of a life. I mean, <laughs> uh, he was the first to quote paint the town red. So he, so I, I had of course had to Google that. So this crazy guy, him and his buddies 
went to one of these gated communities, I guess. They uh, kicked open the door, beat up the tollsmen, the guardsmen, whatever it was, and they're doing repairs. So not only they beat him up, they had ladders and paint and paintbrushes. They painted him red, and they continued. Oh, they literally, they painted, literally painted him red, the constable red, and then went on to terrorize the neighborhood. But anyway, sounds like a frat boy. So it does sound like a frat boy. Things that won't necessarily like lead to harm of somebody, but they're definitely a nuisance. <laughs> definitely. Anyway, I'm sorry. I you just... probably would have been friends with him back <laughs> he in college. Probably would have been. <laughs> Yeah, go. What was his name? Henry. You'd be like, oh, Henry. Actually, in Southern Missouri, he'd be Hank, wouldn't he? There, there was a guy in my fraternity actually that was uh, busted for arson, and he stole a car, and um, down Frat Row had, I guess he was drunk, and literally like ran into like seventeen cars that were parked on the highway. So yeah, he he was a bit of a mischief guy. So yeah, he probably would have fit in. Oh gosh. Oh boy. See, and this is why the and boys will be boys is such a bad phrase because... That's right. He actually know. tried to light our dorm on fire three times. See, that's a problem. So I feel like boys will be boys. <laughs> it's one thing when it's like, oh my gosh, this toddler boy jumping off the couch. Uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Boys. It's a little different when it's like, oh, those frat boys. <laughs> you know, out stealing cars and burning down dorms. property damage and... I don't remember that guy's name. Sexual assaults, he you got, know. He got kicked out. We didn't sexually assault anybody. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> just just making the record straight. Um, but he did We get, certainly committed property damage, <laughs> yeah, but honestly, did. there is, I feel like, a bit of a line, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, but I'm, we, I'm glad to hear that. We uh, had to have our... We didn't know it was him, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Our dorm was evacuated on three occasions because someone kept letting fires in, in the bathroom in the trash cans. And um, then it turns out it was the dude from our fraternity who actually, I lived on the second floor. He actually lived on the fourth floor of our dorm. So, so wait a minute. So this is chasing a rabbit here, but was the arson that he was charged with the arson of the dorm or was he caught for different arson? Um, I'm, I don't remember. I was just saying, was he caught for different arson? <laughs> and then everybody was like, man, we haven't had to evacuate because it, of fire. It all kind of came out when he stole the car Okay. and wrecked all the others. And then... And who knows, maybe they just pinned it on him because he was obviously a problem child. <laughs> um, but we just heard that he was the one setting the fires. Oh, gosh. So we don't know how. I, I never, I don't even can't even remember his name. That's probably best. We don't need to say it on the podcast. <laughs> no, no. Sounds but that's like, like a great way to get sued. Something I should look up later. I, I still got my paddle. I, all the names are I, on the back. This is true. Anyway, sorry. This is true. Okay. I just, okay, I got sidetracked because that's what I do. I, yeah. Okay. Back, back to Jack here. Back to the actual podcast. So, again, so 1845 is when this report of a woman being killed by Spring Hill Jack. Oh, so this is the first Jack, murder. Yes, but okay. it was, you know, again, if, if we don't know if it's true because it, you can't really verify it today. There's no surviving records from that time that back this up. Okay. Um. But again, there were a lot of those penny dreadfuls coming out, and people were talking about Spring Hill Jack. Um, and It'd be a certain thing to copycat to get yourself quote famous, right? So in the 1850s and 60s, he was spotted just all over England, not just in London anymore, um, which led more theor- credence. I'm sorry, lended more credence to this theory that it was copycats. Although some did swear that it was because there was something supernatural in all of this. 
1870, a couple of things happened. So first, some army sentries reported seeing Jack appear and then jump up onto the roof of their sentry box. Um, apparently, the army then began setting traps for Springfield Jack in case he returned. Um, in Lincoln, which was a little town um, in England, he was spotted and shot at by the angry townspeople, but apparently he just laughed and bounded away when this happened. Like Tigger would. You know. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry that you're... I love the... Um, that was your Tigger, huh? <laughs> That's my Tigger. You probably all. shouldn't quit your day job. That's all I got. <laughs> um, now, Jack, I think, was eventually overshadowed by the more tangible threat in the late 1900s. Uh, where he, uh, we began to see Jack the Ripper, right? So this was uh, obviously a bit more serious thing that was going on so late was, 1800s. So was Jack just the name they gave to transient crazy people? I think it's just a common name, you know. It was, I don't know. I, Jack is like a nickname for John, I think, right? So people, I mean, we know how great you are with <laughs> this now that I think about it. Pretty sure it's short for Roberts. You're like, Dick is short for Robert, right? No. Um, so since Jack the Ripper began, like, we arrived on the scene, um, people began to... But he was legit, Jack the Ripper. He was legit. People began to suspect this was more likely to be him. I think eventually we should cover Jack the Ripper. I feel like I want to get a little bit better at research and doing this before we tackle Jack the Ripper because there's so many things we could do with that because we could talk about jack the ripper himself we could probably do another whole episode just on the theories of who is jack the ripper right so but anyway um he shows up on the scene i think people had something a little more serious to worry about and his last confirmed appearance was then in 1904 in liverpool he was witnessed leaping up and down a street and onto the rooftops and then disappeared never to be seen again Hmm. and that is the tale of Spring-Heeled Jack. What do you think he lipped onto a building and fell off and died? <laughs> oh, he's gone! You would think somebody would have found the body of someone dressed up like that. <laughs> All right, with the big W. <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. So, so that is the tale. So what do you think? What, what are your theories? Do you think he was a person? Do you think he was supernatural? No, I don't think he's supernatural at all. <laughs> um... I'm going I'm to go off subject again because I know you don't fi- you find that hard to believe from me. Um, so this is 1850-ish, right? Okay. And they're lords and ladies and titles and Taoist and, you know, whatever. What? Doust, you know, they, they're, they're writing, you know. And Are you talking about jousting? No, doust. You know, they, they talk proper, you know. Oh. Doust, who doust goes there, whatever, crap. <laughs> I don't feel so, like that's so, what they said, but yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure they did. It's fine. But then you flip to America. 1880. It's the Wild West. Okay, Corral. Everybody should. It is night and day. Same theoretically time frame. One civilized and one is just crazy. Just craziness. Anyway, mm-hmm. I just find how how when we look, compare America to other civilized. But granted, the states weren't even formed yet. Yeah. But it was just anyway. I feel like I should find a story from like 1838 America now as like a comparison. And compare it, yeah. Like, let's talk about how crazy different we are. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that because I mean, this was all. I mean, when was the Civil War happening? I don't know. 
Well, come on, Captain Google. Get to it. All right. I want to say, I'm going to go on a whim here, and I'm going to say 1850. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we were just kind of like, yeah, right. Spring-Hill dude. We've got problems was... here. Civil War. Okay. Oh, I was close. April 12th, 1861 to okay. April 9th, 1865. For almost four years. So, kind of at the same time of all this, you know, we were dealing with the Civil War, the Lincoln assassination, like throughout that time whoa, whoa. span. Whoa, Lincoln was assassinated? I know, it's crazy. We <laughs> um, are so, an educational so podcast. Oh, because after the Civil War, all the all the fighters needed jobs, and they turned to bounty hunters. And who explains why the Wild West would have took off from all the criminals and convicts escaping? I feel like that's always a thing when you watch a western. It's like, oh, he was a Confederate officer. That's now right. he's here. You know, like Captain Redlegs. Captain Redlegs. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's always like a, you know, what, because it's Lonesome Dove, what's her, what, I'm trying to think of a name, like Woodrow, oh Woodrow, that mysterious gentleman who rides into town and he's like, got a dark past, you know. Right. Like his entire platoon was wiped out, or, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Because. We had, it... we had problems in America. We were dealing, you know, if spring Hill Jack had showed up in America, I don't know if anybody would have paid attention to him during this time frame. So, yeah, like, we had way too much <laughs> like, going look, on. dude. There was probably tons of mass murders in, like, New York and, you know, all yeah. that. And, like, no one better than I. So, so the war so ends maybe... in 1865. Okay, Corral's shootout was 1880. So, 15 years later, it's just gone to... Sh- you know what? Yeah. It's gone downhill. So, yeah. So, I guess that kind of just goes to show you why these sorts of things pop up in some places and not others. Because, again, if somebody had showed up prancing around in his very flamboyant costume <laughs> like you Googled. Yeah. We're telling you guys, you got to go Google this if you haven't already. In Judge um, City, Kansas, wearing his big W. He <laughs> <laughs> just got shot, right? Like, <laughs> right. Because let's be honest, can you imagine, like, Spring-Heeled Jack ringing on the bell of, like, the brothel, like, trying to lay down a working leg? Like, she right. would have just slugged him and moved on, like... What if the big W stood for Wyatt Earp? <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Right. We're, we're figuring it all His out. His lost years. <laughs> right. So now we're getting sued. I used the name. Yeah. Anyway. The Wyatt Earp estate will be calling us right. up. Cease and desist. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, and now that we've just blathered on for 10 right. minutes. I just don't want our name getting out to your 20 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, we really need one more. We need 21. You know? Come on. We say we're in the 20s then, not just 20. <laughs> Probably gained a listener as I'm we're go- talking. Getting- <laughs> Probably lost like five. That's too real. Um, I'm gonna have to go through and edit out like all of the stupid laughter that we have. That we're like, you know, if nobody else finds us funny, at least 21. We're at 21. 
<laughs> Sorry. Oh, anyway. Victory. Okay, we need like poppers or something. <laughs> we hit 25. I said we throw a party. And now I do have to say, guys, that Ron has requested that we do something to jazz this up. And one of the options that has been thrown out is a soundboard so that he can make sound effects throughout. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> Anyway. If you'd like to veto this, <laughs> please comment, send us an email um, before he does something I can't stop him from doing. So. I'm going to download the soundboard on my computer for next week. <laughs> um, anyway, and on that note, I think we should finish up. So like we've said before, guys, we've got a Facebook page, uh, The Grim Feature. Uh, we have a Gmail account, so thegrimfeature at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Uh, we can listen to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts. Uh, I've also uploaded these straight to Facebook, so you can listen to them through Facebook. So uh, just let us know if you've got any suggestions for us. We'd love to hear from you. And I think that's it, unless you've got something else you need to say, Ron. Nope. Um, just look forward to my next week's episode where I start talking again. I don't know what I'm going to talk about yet, but it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, possibly something a little more. Um, oh, what am New I, age, not old timey. New old-timey. age, yeah. I think Ron's wanting to take it in the direction of you know uh, alien encounters, maybe. So maybe. I don't yeah, know. We'll... I haven't decided. Like I find a lot of stuff, but then I got other ideas too. I don't know. He's a little too ADHD for this. <laughs> I task, really am. I really am. So, all right. Well, and we will catch you later, guys. So thanks for listening. And I want to thank that one listener who just joined our <laughs> podcast in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> really pulling through for me. <laughs> All right. You guys have a great night. <laughs> or day or whatever. <laughs> whatever day it is. Bye. Thanks for listening, Gina. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you.